the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Hi, it's Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep, and this is a special podcast edition where I'm going to go over the recently, as in the uh, January 2021 recently, announced changes to the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, that was uh, incorporated into this massive 5,900 and something page bit of legislation passed by Congress. Um, and part of which was designed to overhaul and streamline the uh, federal rules for financial aid amidst the, preponder- <laughs> the, the ponderous uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. So this is an abbreviated version. Um, my wife and I, Pearl, who's my business partner at Lockwood College Prep, have done um, a couple presentations on this, and you're certainly welcome to get the longer version on our website. We're also working on a written guide to the to these changes. So let's dig dig into a necessarily abbreviated and curated. God, I hate that word, but it's accurate. Um, overview of some of the provisions that are most that are going to be most important to um, people like our clients who tend to be. Uh, upper middle class, high income, business owners, divorce or separated, um, people who think that they probably can't qualify for anything. So there's a few few of these rules, rule changes, I should say, that pertain to you if you feel like you fit in those categories. So first of all, um, the big deal was that they streamlined the FAFSA um, from 108 questions down to approximately 36. I don't know exactly how many it's going to be yet, but that's uh, looking like the ballpark just a bit. Um, now, when do these changes take place? Not until 2023. So what that means is if you have a kid in high school who graduates 2023 and, started and the, they will be able to file for financial aid in October of 2022, these changes pertain to them. And if you have someone who's going to be in college in 2023 and beyond, these changes pertain to you also. All right. One of the big changes, again, this is a um, very limited and exclusionary um, overview in 10 minutes or less, is that you used to have more eligibility for financial aid if you had more than one child in college. So there is a calculation, which is also changing, of something called the expected family contribution, the EFC. By the way, that's another change. It's going away. They're now calling it Student Aid Index as of 2023. And it's just dumb, bureaucratic, paper-pushing type stuff. Who cares? But uh, anyway, I'm going to be using those terms interchangeably. But because I practiced law for five years, I have to, I find myself making all these sort of, (laughs) these these disclaimers and stuff. So anyway, um, your eligibility was calculated based on 70-something factors. Income was a big one. Savings was another one. Another big one was how many kids in college do you have? So hypothetically speaking, if you made $200,000 and you had one child going to college, your expected family contribution might be somewhere around $70,000, just to use a ballpark. 
which means for the most part that you're not going to qualify for much, if anything, from most colleges. However, that same um, financial profile that I just outlined, income of 200000 etc., with two kids in college under the current FAFSA uh, regulatory scheme is would, would result in having that $70,000 expected family contribution to $35,000. So all of a sudden by, you know, let's say you have a kid go to school in year one, then year three, your second child goes to college. That's fairly common among our clients. Or you have twins or triplets, or in some cases quintuplets. Yes, we have a family with quintuplets. Um, then you your eligibility you know doubles, triples, etc. Now, apparently thanks to Senator Lamar Alexander, uh, who's retiring, you no longer get any type of improvement in your eligibility for aid because you have more than one child in college at the same time. So that is a crappy change. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just buzzing through these. Okay. Another change um, has to do with divorced and separated families. So um, currently, pre-2023, it doesn't matter if you are informally separated or legally separated. Either way, under the financial aid formulas, um, you are considered divorced. And why that's important is the is it has to do with which parent should be filling out the financial aid application, the FAFSA, and what should go on there in terms of um, you know their income and expenses, uh, not expenses, income and savings, and all that. Now, under the old structure, which is still in place, the custodial parent means the parent that the child resides with a majority of time in a divorce. If you are legally separated, you know, it's documented, same rule. The change is that in 2020, as of 2023, if you are not legally separated, just informally separated, as opposed to illegally separated. Okay, sorry. Informally separated, then you both appear on the FAFSA. You don't get to choose the custodial parent. So that's one change. Another change is the whole idea of custodial parent. Previously, the custodial parent, sorry, currently and previously, the custodial parent is defined as, again, the, the uh, parent with whom the child resides a majority of time. Under the upcoming changed definition, it's going to be whichever parent declares that kid as a dependent on their tax return because there's going to be more information that comes in directly from the IRS, from your 1040 and other tax returns that gets dumped directly into the FAFSA. So the, um, the rationale behind that is to uh, make the custodial parent be the same as the parent that supports the kid the most. And if you're taking the deduction, then in theory, you are providing the most support. That may not be true, but that's the theory behind it. Okay. Also, another big thing is the treatment of income. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm using income maybe a little bit more expansively than you might think about it. So there's different types of income. There's taxable income and there's untaxed income. Well, <clears throat> under the current, soon to be previous rules, pre 2023, all income penalizes, meaning whether you pay taxes on it or you don't pay taxes on it, it's all subject to the federal financial aid rules, which is a different um, bunch of regulations. 
starting 2023, certain types of untaxed income will not count against you at all or will be counted against you less. So workers' comp and veterans' education benefits are untaxed income that will no longer count against you. It used to be, I'm sorry, currently, <laughs> keeps, I keep saying that, um, currently it does count against you even though you're not paying taxes on it. Remember, two separate things, IRS versus Department of Ed. But starting 2023, that's a good thing. You're not going to be penalized in financial aid. Now, something that's very significant, at least in our weird neck of the woods over here at Lockwood College Prep, or College Guru Nation, as I like to call it, is that um, when a 529 college savings account is established by not the parent of the child, but the grandparent under the current rules, when that grandparent takes money from that 529 and sends it to the college, let's say it's $20,000, that will result in, in the following year, a reduction of eligibility to the student of half of that amount, or $10,000. So that is considered income, not federal income taxable income, but income for financial aid purposes to the child and assessed a penalty of 50%. In other words, they lose $10,000 or 50% of eligibility. Thankfully, under the new rules, again, starting in 23, that uh, th that means that, uh, the, the change I should say, is that there's no longer that penalty for that support from the grandparent or any family member. So that $20,000 that gets um, sent over by grandma will not have any negative deleterious effect on the student's financial aid eligibility. So that is a big deal for many people because um, what, what would happen would be you know, grandma would send the check over to the school out of their 529 account, and then the next year the, the family would be blindsided when they would lose eligibility, and they'd be wondering what the heck happened. So that was a big issue that seems to have been uh, resolved with the stroke of a pen. A um, couple other things, not necessarily as meaningful, but um, the, the new FAFSA is going to ask about race, I think ethnicity also. Um, the Pell Grant, which is really for super low-income families, uh, has changed. The rules for that has changed a little bit, a little bit more lenient, not a whole lot more. Um, other than that, that's really the main stuff in terms of the uh, the financial aid changes. Oh, I'm sorry, one more thing. Um, it's a little bit easier to appeal financial aid. Congress carved out a few more exceptions where financial aid officers can use discretion to improve people's eligibility and give them more money when you appeal. Um, I want to wrap up here, though, and, and just pose the question, how much is this really going to change um, things for high-income, sort of mass, mass affluent, upper-middle-class families? You know, again, the people that, um, that tend to pay attention to us and work with us. My prediction is not that much, because right now these changes pertain only to the FAFSA, which is the federal form. That's generally for low-income families. Um, most of our families, I don't have an exact number, tend to apply to colleges that require an additional form, besides the FAFSA, called the CSS profile, which has, is not changing. It's 200-something questions. It is extremely complicated. 
and they uh, have no interest in um, making that more streamlined because the whole point of the profile was to get more information because the FAFSA wasn't good enough. So if anything, they might expand the CSS profile. Um, about 400 colleges take it. It's mostly private colleges that tend to have their own money, which is why they scrutinize financial aid applications a little bit more. So let's take, for example, as by way of comparison, what I started out talking about, which was the number of children in college at the same time. Under the FAFSA, under the current rules that are going away, if you add a second child, you double your eligibility. You you change your expected family contribution, in the example I gave, from $70,000 to $35,000. Okay. Under the CSS profile, they don't publish a formula the, the way that the uh, the FAFSA does, but the CSS profile, profile follows something called the institutional methodology. And um, for the most part, when you add a second child to college, the way I was doing that example before, you don't um, you don't split the L the EFC 50-50 between the kids. It's the second kid uh, gets 40% of that benefit. Not it doesn't go from 70 to 35. It goes from 70 to I don't know. It, I'm just guessing uh, the math here for uh, maybe forty five thousand dollars. <throat> so probably a little bit less. So that's one example where I don't think it's going to really matter for most families who are applying to schools that take the CSS profile. And frankly, uh, I don't anticipate any changes on the CSS profile. So so if you're applying to a CSS profile college, remember that's that's a form that's going to be required in addition to, not in lieu of, but in addition to the FAFSA, then it's not really going to change anything for you. And the final thing I want to say before we wrap up is that um, there's more merit-based aid out there than need-based aid. So in our little remote bizarro corner of the universe at Lockwood College Prep, most of our clients um, get need uh, do not get need-based aid. They get merit-based aid, which is really defined as anything that's not need-based. It has to do with your income. I mean, it, I'm sorry, it has to do with your grades, your scores, um, extracurricular activities, and then a whole lot of other stuff that I should probably talk about in, an, in another um, ep episode here because some of it's not particularly politically correct, like what high school you go to, how much money your parents make, etc. So um, the bottom line is that these changes appear on the FAFSA appear to be kind of severe. But I think the reality is going to be far more benign. It's not going to be as bad as um, a lot of people seem to think, if you pay attention to this type of thing. All right, I am going to wrap up here. That's all I got for you. So thanks for listening. And please give us a good rating on uh, on iTunes, or I think it's called Apple Podcasts now, uh, because it just helps us spread the word, and uh, it would be very, very helpful. And if you want to reach out to us, check out LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Check out our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lockwood College Prep, or you can shoot us an email, vip at lockwoodcollegeprep.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify 
fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at LockwoodInnerCircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.